The streak is over. The S&P 500 finally dropped today after remarks from Federal Chairman Jerome Powell when he came out and said, yeah, they're not afraid to raise rates again. Actually, they might do it at the next meeting. But everyone wants to know, is are we going to call his bluff? Welcome, everyone, to Buy, Hold, Sell. I am your trader, Todd Schoenberger, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, Tobin Smith, out in sunny and very hot Scottsdale, Arizona. Warm. It's warm. It's 78 degrees, you bonehead. Just because you're in Buffalo, you have no idea what it is out here. I looked at the wrong forecast then. Oh, we have yeah. a very special guest with us today, Danielle Shea. She is the vice president of options at Simpler Trading, and she's joining us today on Buy, Hold, Sell. Welcome to the program, Danielle. Thanks for having me. It's great joining you guys. Absolutely. Well, I know that you're really big into educating, and that's what your firm's about, uh, educating investors. But that's maybe our audience needs to be educated, because here we saw the markets just on a tear over the last week and a half, and yet things started sliding, and then they really slid in the afternoon after Powell's comments. Is this just going to be short-lived, or... What do you think for uh, for the audience? So if it's going to be short-lived, we have to see a rally tomorrow. But if we can't see a rally tomorrow, and if we get a gap down overnight, which I think is pretty possible, especially given the way that we sold off on high volume, ended up the day there down on the lows, then this rally is probably going to be over for now until we can get another catalyst to send that short squeeze moving. Okay. Yeah, Daniel, I, um, you know, we've talked for the last couple of weeks. I, again, I'm so old school. I, I, I still have like newspapers, you know, the, the highs and lows, but you know, for, <laughs> and on that last week of October, when there was six new highs and like two of the new highs, they weren't even, you know, they were like, I, I don't know, some ETF or something. God knows what it was. And we had 2,800 new lows in five new highs, I mean, Stevie Wonder could even figure this out, that perhaps things were a little oversold, right? And I think a lot of times people in the audience don't quite recognize that the other thing I look at every day is the amount of long bets, in other words, people buying stocks, assuming they're going up, versus short bets, uh, how much short has come on. And during that same time frame, the last two weeks of October, you know, uh, shorts were rising and longs were, you know, and that's just simply human behavior. People were scared on the margin and on the margin. They said, I'd rather sell than, you know, go through the brain damage here. And all of a sudden, everybody who had to sell, what you say, Danielle had already sold. And, and we just needed one little, you know, pullback from the 5% 10-year down to 4.8 and Right. But doesn't it seem like we went through this once before during this entire tightening cycle where you had Wall Street traders that were actually thinking, OK, things are going to ease up here. They'll pause for a while and then perhaps we can start talking about rate cuts. As a matter of fact, the beginning of this year, there was talk about potential rate cuts sometime in 2023, which was laughable. Yeah, yeah. Here so, you go, yeah. Todd. Have some of my freaking <laughs> pot on that one. Jeez. Exactly. But here, Powell comes out again today and talks about the 2% target. And there have been so many people on the shows that have been saying, oh, well, you know, we'll just poo-poo that 2%. It was almost as if we were supposed to forget about it. But the chairman came out and said, no, you guys forget about it. It's going to hit at 2%. And that's what sent markets lower. I think that this is actually going to be a prolonged sell-off. I think we were very lucky over the last week and a half. If you didn't sell into the strength, you're probably going to regret it. But what do you think, Danielle? I mean, what are your, because you, you follow charts. You sent us some beautiful charts yesterday evening i was going through your notes as well i mean is everything what do you think from a tactical standpoint should we start thinking that okay 
Should we have sold into the strength or do you think maybe it's still a time to buy on the weakness? So the way that I trade is I take everything from one decision to the next. And when you're looking at the NASDAQ, we're sitting up just directly underneath this key area of resistance. And it was yeah. so, so close to breaking through. We were right there. We had Microsoft coming right up to that new all-time high. Didn't quite make it. You had Broadcom that made the new high today, but then pulled back. And so I feel like we were just so close to breaking through and continuing on with this massive short squeeze. And then womp womp, you know, Jay Powell yeah. had so, to you know, That sounds like me when I was a freshman in high school. I was so close to breaking through, you know. And <laughs> Well, see, at this point, it's, you know, now that we've hit, I'm looking at the NASDAQ futures here, and we've hit about 15,500 and, you know, failed. So right. since since we weren't able to get through that, I'd say at least to pull back into 15,000. Um, and, you know, for me, that's the major decision point. If we can hold up above a key psychological value up above 15,000, maybe we get some sort of turkey rally going on. I think we can still go higher. I don't think the rally is completely dead, but certainly had some cold water thrown on it today. Danielle, how do you, uh, when you look at, now you just look at the whole NDX, the whole NASDAQ, but how do you then sort of factor in the Magnificent Seven? Because, you know, there's still 27, or excuse me, there's still 85% of all the gains in the S&P yeah. 500 or the QQQ. I mean, how do you, do you look at those as a different, you know, like a different island in the middle of a stormy seas? Oh, just definitely. Oh, yeah. And so for me as an options trader, I mean, those are the stocks that I trade all the time. And so, it, you know, if those ones are the ones that are doing the best, that is fine by me because a lot of the losers, I'm not going to be trading them anyway, right? And so yeah. the way that I gauge it is basically looking at, you know, Microsoft, Apple, Netflix. I also, I love Broadcom. I like Amazon, Google, of course. And love Broadcom. <laughs> How about our NVIDIA? How about AMD? How about, uh, I don't know, Marvell technology. Oh yeah, let's look at that one. So, yeah. you know, basically just look at the confluence, you know, the majority of them, are they going higher? Yes or no. And if we have Microsoft, if we have Apple, if we have Broadcom, we have Nvidia, there's, you know, they're still going higher Then I think we still have a shot. You know, you can have a couple losers like Tesla. I shorted Tesla today, which I'm a huge, I love Tesla, but I shorted it today. I think it's rolling over. If you look at yeah. Marvell, Ooh, that one that one looks a little bit tricky up against quite a bit of resistance as well. So I think this quarter, you know, we've seen a pretty big variance between the stocks that are going higher or lower, but I still think that the majority of the Magnificent Seven are carrying the NASDAQ higher. Wow, that's good to know, because otherwise we'd be uh, uh, up that creek without a paddle. The other thing, uh, Danielle, I'm, I'm curious about is in on and sectors do you also follow sectors as much as stocks i do and i always do top-down sector analysis and i focus on you know which are the strongest sectors um and i you know i focus on relative strength to the upside and relative weakness to the downside but i mean i can tell you this year i have been trading primarily you know semiconductors and tech stocks i haven't yeah. really been trading much anything else um but definitely always looking for relative strength to the upside and relative weakness to the downside. And when you're trading them, are you trading, are you are you selling options as well as buying options or what's your strategy? Oh, definitely. So I do sell options as well, but I always do everything with defined risk. So if I'm going to sell, then I'm going to sell it as a spread. So I, I do a couple different- Tell our audience what a spread is because already I see their brains exploding, okay? 
<laughs> so um, selling a spread is really just using defined risk in the options market. You can sell options to bring in premium or bring in a credit to your account, which is amazing because that means you don't have to spend any money. Right. Um, and basically, if you're right, then you get to keep the money at the end of the day. If you sell a credit and you're wrong, then you have to buy it back for a higher cost, which is not ideal, but you know, that's just how it works. So. But it's risk, it's risk management for you. And yeah, we do a lot of, of spread trades on on stocks that we, you know, sort of the same thing that we understand. I mean, obviously it, it's it's like, you know, it's like the sucking on the thumb, you know, the Magnificent Seven is when everything's scary. <laughs> Let me go back to, you know, these guys, why? They don't need to borrow any money. They have ridiculous margins. You know, they are global. Uh, they get hurt a little bit with the dollar going uh, up in value versus everyone, obviously. Uh, but, oh, did I say they have recurring revenue that's, you know, in the billions? And, and oh, you know, I think now uh, it used to be $186 billion, It's now $218 billion of cash. It makes sense to me. You know, I, when I used to run a mutual fund, I, I didn't really do all the due diligence I should have. It's like on my hedge fund, you know, when I build a lot of cash, it was fun. Market was going down. I had a lot of cash. I go to more than 5% cash on my mutual fund and I, bam, I get slapped by the guy. You know, you can't have that much cash. So for the people who have to be in the market, I totally, um, I totally get it. I'm going to give you one one idea, though. We've been very long uh, LPG, liquefied petroleum gas. The reason is, is for a variety of reasons, but it's really starting with the fact that the Panama Canal is only allowing 20 ships through per day it used to be 120. So what's happened is these LPG tankers have to go like around the Cape of Good Hope or they have to go to the Suez Canal just to, so they've added like 1800 nautical miles. And the we look at, at inflection points of demand or inflection points of rates. And the rate for these large, very large gas carriers went from $32,000 nine months ago to $106,000 a day today. So if you look at the chart of LPG, or you look at the chart of advanced gas, or you look at the chart of uh, BWLLF, which is an ADR in that business. I mean, even and even the oil tankers, frontline of TK tankers. I mean, they're not sexy. They're not the yeah. Magnificent Seven, but they pay us like 20% dividends plus. They've doubled in value. I just was doing a managed account review today this morning. And the, 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 the client says, Toby, I don't know what these eight VACFs or BWLFs are, but I you put 50 grand in them and they're now worth 200 grand each. So whatever yeah. that is, don't tell me what they do. My point is, is that underneath the market, you know, there's the there's the transformational events. There's this S curves of demand or pricing power that happen, and you know, those are fun too. Mm -hmm. I think your cameraman is actually um, trying to give us the the look that as if you're on one of these tankers because it's going up and down. But <laughs> <laughs> Danielle, what is the uh, do you track the the energy sector at all? I mean, because oil with it dropping right now. I mean, I would imagine if you had a couple of puts on that sector, you're doing quite well this week. Well, you know, first of all, I love the idea that you just gave me. I think that that looks fantastic. Um, you know, I don't trade a ton of energy stocks, but here's what I'll tell you. I mean, I love the setup in XLE. I think that it's been really strong. You know, if I look at a monthly chart here, I see this monthly consolidation. We call that the monthly squeeze. So that looks like it's going to break out to the upside. So uh, for me, you know, long-term bullish setup, but certainly short short term right now it's breaking down. So the yeah. way that, it, you know, it broke down below that 200 simple, 
you know, with earnings, I also always pay attention to, you know, what the key tickers are doing going into earnings. I mean, like Chevron, it just kind of rolled over and died after earnings. So I'll do a lot of like pre and post earnings trades um, on tickers like this for these kinds of moves. But I I don't trade a ton of energy. uh, But when I see something like this, where it's breaking down below the 200 simple, I mean, that's a major sector rotation in a, in a sector shift. So that's well, also, I mean, also energy was the place where that was the safe place to go. You could suck your thumb and, and, and you know, oil would go up, natural gas go up. We're going to, we, we are short USO, which is the, which is the, the uh, uh, ETF for oil. We've been massively short natural gas because I don't know where you live. It was 118 degrees here for like a while. And then we get these advanced forecasts. And now the advanced forecast for the parts of the country that are supposed to be cold, like where Mr. Schoenberger lives, it's not that cold. Matter of fact, the warming in so many of these areas. So natural gas prices go down. So there's a ticker we use called KLLD, which is a leveraged ETF. And you can sell put options on it and get call options. I think I just bought a new car this week based on on being short natural gas. Don't tell my wife because I I wouldn't put... But you got it. But anyway, you know, those are, you know, many transformations that are cyclical are driven by stuff like weather, you know, in the trading picks they used to call the natural gas contract. It was the widow maker. Um, remember Eric Bowling, Todd? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Eric EP, had yeah. like six seats at the uh, NYMEX back in the day. That was where yeah. you traded commodities, Danielle, because I know it was sold, it was closed after you were born. But the uh, the whole, the thing was, was that, you know, you could be out having a cigarette at like two o'clock, all of a sudden this storm moves in and now your your long position of with like 80 to one leverage has blown up and you're like, it's the big one. <laughs> so it's, it, you know, it, 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 it is what it is, the art commodities, but energy commodities, man, when when the when you get these long term weather patterns that are bad for gas, yeah, that's a that's a fun trade, man. Yeah, you got that right. Well, I, I love the Fred Sanford reference uh, there too, so that's good. Again, but, uh... who knows who Fred Sanford is? Uh... <laughs> Well, there you go. Listen, we're going to leave it out, leave it on that block because coming up next, we have to ask Danielle about what's going to be a huge headline story next week, which is the retail sector. You have a lot of the big box, big name retailers that are going to re- be uh, reporting earnings. Plus, we have the October retail sales numbers coming out, so all leading right up to the Christmas holiday shopping season. So, but we'll we'll talk about that. So, with us, hey, Todd, Todd, Danielle out. is way too smart to be in discretionary retail. I mean, do we really need to go there? I know, but I, I did I did tell her that's something we. Will be talking about so i know okay. she's, got, she's got some good quality high quality thoughts for okay. the audience and uh, it's going to be a exceptional conversation so so with us today we have danielle shea she is the vice president of options at simpler trading go to simplertrading.com and uh for more information and uh and, and see what they're uh, they're all about but we'll be right back after the break please stay with us Buy, hold, sell, brought to you by Crosscheck Management. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, 
thought leaders and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcast, and now available on YouTube. Ready to up your game and learn more about the thrilling world of sports betting? Introducing Double Down with Breslow, the ultimate podcast about the business of sports gambling. Join me, James Breslow, and a long list of expert guests as we dive into the art and science of the sports betting industry. Evolving regulations, technology enhancements, and the meteoric rise in the number of players makes this sector the fastest growing and most intriguing in the world. Unlock the business secrets from many of the industry's most recognizable C-suite executives, including famous odds makers and influencers every episode of double down with breslow is packed with insider tips deeply skilled analysis and in-depth discussions don't miss out on the ultimate resource for mastering the business of sports betting listen to double down with breslow on the evergreen podcast network or wherever you listen to podcasts that's double down with breslow the business of sports betting podcast The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast. This is Jessica from Jay Walker Salon Group, and you're watching Tobin and Todd from Buy, Hold, Sell. Welcome back to Buy, Hold, Sell. Well, the S&P winning streak is officially over. Is this the start of bearer market, or are we still going to, maybe it's just short-lived, but who knows, we'll see. But we have the expert among experts with us today, Danielle Shea. She is the VP of Options over at Simpler Trading. Danielle, I was doing a little bit of research on you. I see you have this wonderful newsletter that goes out to, to investors. How can the audience sign up for this? That's right. You can find me on Twitter at Trader Danielle. You can find it on there, or you can go to fivestartrader.com, which is F-I-V-E, and you can sign up for my newsletter. I write it two days a week. Um, I do all kinds of earnings analysis. I write about the options trades. I do overall market analysis. And then I also like to note in there when you can find me in the media. Wait a minute. Is it F-I-V-E? I'm lost on that. Yep, that's Ah. right. Not the number five, (laughs) F-I-V-E. Oh, you're very smart. You're in the description as well. That sounds great. No, no doubt. And I, um, I know investors definitely get a lot out of that, as they always do with Toby's stuff. So I, we definitely want to we'll include that in the description for everyone. But let's go into what's happening next week. I'm sure this is going to be a topic that's coming up perhaps in your newsletter. I know Toby will probably mention it as well and everything that he writes. But next week is the uh, very important retail sales data that's coming out. On Tuesday, we had an upside surprise last month, and that, that was, a lot of that was from back-to-school shopping. I know that you're looking at the tech sector, but you also are taking a peek at this retail sector, Danielle. What do you think as far as some of these big names, Lowe's, uh, Home Depot, Target? What, what, what should investors stay away from? What should they be considering for their portfolios? So, you know, with retail, there's a pretty wide discrepancy right now between the heroes and the zeros. So I have a couple of retail 
retail names in my portfolio. You know, I love Costco. I'm definitely going to keep my Costco. I've been buying Amazon this year. Lowe's and Home Depot have been a little bit lackluster, but I'm still holding on to them. But then you get to the losers, right? You have stocks like Target that's just oh. been on a downward spiral. You've Don't got say the PCs. word Target in front of Todd. Uh, he, <laughs> he's, he's brutal. Somehow had a love affair with Target when we first started this show. And then he just he just turned and, and it just bit slapped him for about six months. The stock is at a two-year low right now. Well, and you know what? When you have stocks like that that are coming up on earnings, you have a you have a lot of trading setups there because you've got people who are still holding the stock who are saying, oh my God, it's going to be reporting earnings. It might fall yeah. 20%. Maybe I should get out before it reports. And so you have trades that you can do you know, before earnings as you have those investors bailing. Then you also have the opportunity to trade the earnings report if you so choose and say, you know what, this thing might get creamed because it has what I call the earnings destruction set up. Um, or if you're a little more risk averse, you can actually just wait until after the earnings report. And let's say by some miracle, they say something slightly good and it gaps up like four or 5%, then you can short it afterwards. So yeah. Target, I think earnings destruction is going down. I like to shop there, but the stock is pretty much dead to me. Yeah, yeah, well, unfortunately at Target, the only people who shop there are women like you who buy a lot of cosmetics there. Everything else, <laughs> nobody wants. I mean, if they didn't sell cosmetics there, those like 85,000 square foot, you know, yeah. mausoleums they have, I I, it's, I, I don't get it. I, I used to get it, now I don't get it. But what about Walmart? Walmart's, you know, 52 week highs almost every other week. I love Walmart. Walmart's a great stock. I own it in my portfolio. Um, You know, it's one of those things where you can't really be buying more up at these highs. I mean, I guess yeah. if you're dollar cost averaging, it's okay. But, you know, I love the stock. I think it looks great. I just I have a problem buying more of it at this level. So, you know, I think it could probably go up into, let's see what my next price target on this thing would be 170, 175. So, you know, you still have some upside there. Well, um, so Danielle, though, tell our audience, because what you're, you're saying is I have a hard time communicating to my subscribers and to my manage accounts, which is basically, look at, we're trying to, if we see the secular rise in demand, we see the secular non-cyclical rise in uh, earnings. We're not trying to pay the most for the stock. We're actually trying to make a profit owning the stock. And so the way I tell, tell people simply is, if you get excited, like trade desk today, we followed for a long time, we stayed out of it, very high price. Well, it just blew up. It's down like 25% in the after. Earnings destruction. <laughs> Earnings destruction, exactly. <laughs> Um, but if I was if I was really believed in in the fundamentals, which I'm I am believing, you know, the Roku's and the the, the fast ad supported uh, advertising, which goes on our show, and blah blah blah. Now I'm going to look at. But you don't. If you love Walmart, buy stuff at Walmart, right? But if you want to own the stock and you believe in it long term, then wait for it to come back, right? I mean, patience is a virtue. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And you know that's why this year. So I've been looking at Lowe's and Home Depot a lot because you know. We've had a lot of negativity surrounding the housing market. And I think that, you know, overall, both of these companies are very strong. And if you look at the longer term chart patterns on Lowe's and Home Depot, you've got a monthly 
chart. You've got a weekly chart. They went up, they peaked, they pulled back, they're consolidating, they're basing out. That's the moment in time where, you know, you want to be kind of building up your share position. Walmart, great stock, but it's, you know, right near the highs. So we cannot be, you know, adding in a bunch of money at this price point. I know that it's always hard because especially, you know, whenever I'm in the media too, it's like everybody's always talking about the stock when it's at the new high. And it's like, man, you know, you should have bought it three months ago, you know? So I try to point out like the setups when they're setting up, but it's always so hard, right? Because nobody, nobody wants to look at it when it's not moving, right? Well, that's why, that's why fundamental analysis, when you combine it with technical analysis, to me is really the the key because most of, I mean, my favorite ones, you know, in terms of, oh my God, the world's coming to an end. Um, and remember, home Depot, I'm sorry, and Lowe's were all pandemic pull forward stocks. I mean, that's a whole different mm-hmm. uh, dynamic that we n- have never had <clears throat> except for like a hundred years ago. Um, and you know, w- when I was born that year, uh, it was it was de- it was in my second. I'm now on my second pandemic. So, <laughs> um, so I think that's the other side of things is that you have to say how much of the pandemic pull forward of sales it can be because. That's when I would be expecting to have some misses in these things simply because expectations are so high because because you know you can only buy so many brand new TVs like I did during the pandemic and you know and and washing machines and irons and freaking vacuum cleaners <laughs> and everything else. Anyway, so my my point is that if you if, if if you learn from her this idea that if you if you believe in the fundamental, and that it's a secular, not a cyclical, but it's going this way, but you actually want to make money on this, then you have to take advantage of those times when there's a misunderstanding, or like we did in April of, you know, excuse me, February of 2020, when all of a sudden, you know, the world went to hell in a handbasket. The people were selling master limited partnerships, MLPs, because they're mostly owned by retail. They threw them away. And all of a sudden, my favorite one was USA Compressor, which rents these 10,000 horsepower compression compressors to all the pipeline people. You can't run your pipeline or get gas out of the ground without these things, right? The stock went from $14 to $3, and it was paying a $2.05 dividend, which they've never not paid come hell or high water. That was hard to get people to jump in. But the, what we what we did was that we had we had them sell put options. So they had to put the stock to them and buy some incrementally. And that stock today still pays $2 a dividend, but it now trades for $26.50. Mm. Um, and those are the times, you know, abnormalities are God's gift to making money in the stock market as long as you're not sucking your thumb and hiding underneath the desk, right? Yeah. I like it. That's, right. that's smart. I like it. I don't understand from the fundamental It's not just look, okay? This is more than just this. <laughs> it's a big brain in there. <laughs> Um, I just don't understand from a fundamental standpoint, though, why Lowe's and Home Depot would not do better than they are, only because, I mean, people are still in their homes. And if they are crumbling down and there's improvements that are going to be made, you would think the DIY shops would actually do better. So if you're buying a home, I mean, the home builders aren't necessarily going to Lowe's and Home Depot. They're going directly to the manufacturer for, say, durable goods and things like that. It just doesn't uh, doesn't add up to, in my opinion. Everybody did. Everybody took all their all their stimmy money. And since they were inside their house for, you know, a year and a half, you yeah. get tired of shit. I replaced <laughs> more stuff. I just couldn't stand to look at it again, right? And I yeah. fixed the window and I, you know, I changed the door. But 
that a lot of that demand, Todd, was pulled forward. Yeah, uh, now, point. people are staying in their homes longer because, you know, they owned the home for so long that they, 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 they what were they going to do? Sell it and then pay three times the mortgage rate? But th- that wave is over. There's the constant, you know, just I got to fix this. I got to fix this. If, if you're in the Phoenix area, you've got a lot of people moving out to Phoenix. So I guarantee you that that Lowe's and Phoenix, you know, heart, uh, Home Depot's out here do very well. But if you're in an area that's not growing, and that's most of the yeah. United States, other than Florida, Arizona, and, you know, I can't, you know, basically Idaho. Idaho's yeah. crushing it. Okay. But the, the fundamentals are, are just not that strong. They, they, everybody's got their garages full of all the crap they bought during the pandemic. And now, you know, as, as incomes are, or salaries just aren't going up like this, et cetera, et cetera, uh, you know, it, it, I, I'm not bullish on them. I have not been bullish. The only one that I own personally is a Costco and I own Walmart. But that's because Walmart completely changes their business model. And that's the other thing, Todd. If your business model is I open up a store that costs me $85,000 a month in rent, and then I have to hire 125 people, yeah. whereas I can just get it on freaking Amazon and don't have to go down to Amazon. If you believe in retail, Todd, own Amazon, own Costco, uh, own Walmart. And Walmart's going to do 40% of their of their revenue online this year. But not just yeah. bricks and mortar. Bricks and mortar is uh, a yeah. no-growth industry. Sorry. It's very 20th century. Yeah. I know Danielle is uh, really a big fan of Amazon and uh, just reading her notes. And uh, yeah, it's I could see why. I mean, like you said, Toby, I mean, why wouldn't you be at this point? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how to value Amazon, and I and I I know that Danielle is not you know strictly a valuation type person, but when when they also get eighty two billion dollars of revenue from their AWS from their cloud business, and they add uh, AI into everything, yeah. <laughs> They're going to own the yeah. world. No, I got, I get it. Yeah, definitely understand that. So, Danielle, so before we uh, we close out the show, I know you, um, I mean, are there any other areas, any other, uh, I mean, I know you. Give us some actionable ideas. Yeah, Danielle. that's what I'm trying to get at. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get around, or you know, just trying not to be real direct with the question, but I want to ask you. Yeah, yeah that's, wanna... that's broadcasting 101, Todd. You may want to go back <laughs> to that course. You obviously flunked it. I'm giving you Danielle, the Scott give some hot ideas, here. some hot tips, please. <laughs> yeah, but sure. So, yeah, I mean, definitely some of the, you know, the retailers that we've talked about, I've been buying those, you know, I, I, I think Lowe's will come back, but I guess we'll have to see. I'm a big gardener and I feel like, you know, I've been working on my house and I'm one of the crazy people who did buy a house in this market. And, you know, I got a sweet deal on it and because of the market conditions. So, right. I, you know, I'm going to stick with Lowe's. Uh, but as far as as far as um, the dogs, they, they no, don't no problem. Me, see? Love it. <laughs> Love it. Like, we don't like your All right, right, Let's talk about Chewy. You have to be shopping at Chewy. <laughs> no, no. Chew- okay, so this is one of the, this is the most actionable idea that I have for you right now is trading ah. earnings, okay? Trading the pre-earnings moves, trading the over-earnings moves, and trading the post-earnings moves. That's what I do, you know, on a more regular basis. Um, and looking at Chewy, by the way, this is a great example of one. Next week, we have multiple. We have Tyson Foods. We have Workhorse. We have Target. We have Advanced Auto Parts. We've got Sonos. Macy's. Workhorse? Workhorse doesn't have any earnings? Well, when you're looking at these tickers, and let me see, I got I got it coming up on earnings next All week right. on the 14th. Probably it's only yeah, well, I mean, 37 cents now. Expert. All right, listen, if they make 37 cents, then I'll buy you a Slurpee. <laughs> 
So all of these tickers, if you look at Chewy, by the way, this this yeah. is the setup, okay? You're looking at tickers that did have this huge move up throughout the pandemic, and then they're coming back down, right? When you look at Chewy, for example, Chewy has been in a downtrend since, man, I have yeah. to go back even further to see. Let's see. It peaked out at 120 um, in February of 21. And if you look at the last four quarters, last quarter specifically, it gapped down 8.5% post earnings. And it has been in a downtrend wow. almost ever since, except for last week, it did rally a little bit. So when you have stocks like this that are coming up on earnings, Chewy's going to be reporting earnings on December 6th. So for something like that, you know, it, it's on a death spiral and then it yeah. gets a little bit of a rally. Well, short covering rally. Yeah, you can short it into the rally as it falls into earnings as investors panic and say, oh my gosh, like, I, you know, it, what if it falls another 8%? So, you know, we've got that one. Tyson Foods, this is one that I've shorted a couple times. It's, you know, trading at 46 bucks a share now. It's coming up on earnings um, on the the 13th, it's right there down on the lows of the quarter. Last quarter, it gapped down 9.9%. The quarter before that, it gapped down 10.3%. Wow. So it's like a one, two, it's like one tequila, two tequila, three tequila, <laughs> you know, type Four. of situation. Four. Yeah. And by the way, the fundamental, we should just have our own show. I'll talk fundamentals. You talk to the, the fundamental is it costs it. twice as much to feed that freaking chicken and feed that cow because of the droughts in the area. And that's why beef prices are so high. And there is a point in time where even I won't pay $28 a pound for a, you know, a prime steak. steak. I'm sorry. For a steak. I, I don't even know. I, I don't even know. What he don't said. worry I mean, about it. It's an East coast <laughs> thing, Toby. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can so, tell from Danielle by her voice that she somewhere came from the Midwest at some point in time. Uh, but uh, you, you have no excuse for that stupid remark. Anyway, <laughs> if, you, I am. if you, I'm from Kansas city. Uh, all right. I was going to say that's, that's uh, <laughs> you, you've got that Kansas city tan gone. Um, I think that, you know, the food business right now is other than some booze and, you know, Celsius energy drink, my favorite stock of all time. It's a tough it's a tough business now. You have at the margin lower demand at the feed level. You have higher you have higher wages because shockingly, you know, people don't want to take 14 years off their life by working in a, you know, a stockyard or or dismembering um, animals. And there's some there's some industries like that. That yeah, I would sell the call out, or excuse me, sell the call option, just get the premium and wash repeat again. That's like free money. Nothing's exactly. gonna change for them. See? Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying. You look at those companies that just the fundamentals are just rolling over and dying. And then you you know, if you can combine that with bad technicals, you know, you're sitting down there right on the lows of the quarter, and then you also combine that with previous earnings moves, you know, you, you can look at if it gapped down the quarter before two quarters before, three quarters before. But another big signal that I'll see is, for example, we've had companies like last quarter where it actually gapped up over earnings. Maybe it gapped up like five, six, seven percent. And that was the dead high of the quarter. And then the rest of the quarter, you know, you just have people yeah. getting out. So anything like that, I mean, that's, I think, the most actionable in the market right now, because there's just so much movement surrounding earnings. And a lot of 
these retailers like Macy's. I mean, who's going back to department stores, you know? No way. No way. Yeah. I mean, Nordstrom's, uh, you know, oh my gosh. I'm with you. I, I mean, it's it's fun to do. If you are a trader, it, it, is, it is fun to form a hypothesis about who sucks the most and then go back and look at, you know, there are two or three quarters and say, boy, this guy sucks. And well, how would they turn around? The only caveat I throw into that, we were short Facebook for a long time, mostly because the metaverse was a screaming joke and $24 billion is spending, you know, basically he's got but a little dog left on the, on the porch. Um, but what they also did is they got the age of austerity going and they cut $14.5 billion of overhead. You know, their average salary at Facebook from people they hired is $236,000 a year. Wow. If you get, if you get rid of you know, 45,000 of those people, yeah. your earnings per share are really going to go do well. And then secondarily, they got screwed by Apple because Apple you know, put all these new privacy laws on, on their phone. So they couldn't target their ads as well. And, and advertisers saying, well, I'm not getting the same ROI, so I'm not going to add with you. Well, then they applied AI and they replaced they have even better targeting now than than just Apple alone. So that's what we call at Transformity Research a transformational event. And there are really two transformational events that happened. One was at the bottom line, and the other one was in the technological line. And that's been our best performing stock, you know, uh, even, even before AI I mania. So I'm just adding that to your list, young lady, that these high impact S-curve inflections of demand or pricing power or salary reductions, you know, will if they don't get priced in, then then those are like long that you can make. And then then you sell the put option and keep that income. So I like yeah. Facebook. Zuck's a little cray cray, but uh, but you know, after the twenty-four billion dollars that he flushed down the toilet, um, he finally yeah. someone maybe Sandberg just shook him up and said, I'm quitting now. I'd like to have yeah. some money. There you go. And she just set up a, a fund, a venture fund. So anyway, I digress, Todd. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's all good. It's all good. And it's valuable information for the audience as well. So we're going to leave it there today. So Danielle, one more time. How can people actually access the newsletter? Well, you can go to fivestartrader.com, which is F-I-V-E, or you can follow me on Twitter at Trader Danielle. Okay, I love it. Well, we will have that in the description as well. Doing that right now. Trader Danielle. All right. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we want to also uh, pay a special tribute to the veterans out there as well as their families. Thank you so much for your service. We really hope you have a wonderful Veterans Day and a uh, terrific weekend. So on behalf of Danielle Shea and Tobin Smith, I am Todd Schoenberger. Thank you once again for joining us on Buy, Hold, Sell. We'll catch you next time. Take care. Buy, hold, sell, brought to you by Crosscheck Management. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about, and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.